Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. It's Friday, it's hour two, let's get into it. Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider, going to join us at the bottom of the hour. He moving from Tuesday to today due to travel schedule with the Stanley Cup final. He, of course, on the beat for dailyfaceoff.com. So we'll talk to him about half an hour or so, 40 minutes. But right now we catch up with our good friend Stephen Brunt. Good morning, Stephen. How are things? Hi, my travel schedule is pretty light today. So yeah, it's I'm wide open. Able to make my usual time. Very yes. good. Yes, we appreciate that. I uh, we we talked about it, I guess, on Tuesday, and then I was just on uh, the Twitter machine there, and I saw the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, I guess Sportsnet.ca talking about the the time change difference between where you are and where they are in studio. How has it been? Because it's significantly, certainly now, it's seven oh eight here, so it's quite a bit later there where you are in Newfoundland. How's the time change been? It's uh, it's an interesting adjustment. I haven't done the regular my regular shift yet. Uh, on the drive afternoon drive show out of Toronto, um, which I will do next week. Yeah. So, so that would be so. Yeah, local time. Uh, my drive time show will be six thirty p.m. to eight thirty p.m. So that's yeah. That'll be it'll be a change. Um, <laughs> I'll have to alter some of my bad habits. You know, shift them right a little later. I guess. Yeah. I yeah. was, was going to say because that's uh, that's happy hour. Yes, that's schnapps, isn't it? About about eight o'clock. That's when we get into the uh, the hard stuff. Normally, yes. Normally, um, even with when I'm doing the long commute back to Hamilton, um, I'm walking in my own door at eight o'clock and free to do whatever I want to do as a as an adult. Um, but yes, it'll and I and I think I know that there's like there's no like closed circuit cameras here or anything. So I and I'm not going to be zoomed or shown on Sportsnet 360 or anything. So or YouTube. Yeah. But um, so I could probably do whatever I want. I guess. But no, it's it'll be no, it'll be a, it'll be a small adjustment, but that's a, a a sacrifice, a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Now you did do some video stuff. I'm trying. What was the was there a story last year that hit? Because I, I could have sworn we saw you at your summer home, and there was some nice wood paneling in the background. I think you were talking with maybe Carolyn Cameron or somebody. Was do you remember what that was? Yeah, I forget. I did. I did do some stuff out here. I did a, a breakfast TV thing with Sid Sixero at my backyard as well. Yeah. Uh, See the only now the only the advantage of this time zone is that those like for morning shows in the in, in anywhere yeah. to the west of here it's not it means you don't have to get up at five a.m. right so I can do everybody morning shows tend to call me for very early slots because I'm I'm available out here but I did yeah I did a couple but you know as with many things pandemic wise um, it's you're you're only as good as your internet so no I think kidding. I believe there are a couple of I think I froze a few times and then they gave up on that. But um, I, I'm not sure. I, I would like to think that the the age of Zoom broadcasting is just about behind us. Can I say that? I, I like. I really hope so. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's pivoting you, because what it'll be is both. We need the video and we need the yeah. audio. So get everything set up so that we can do both. And uh, but I mean, Steve, come on, you, with your uh, rugged good looks. Right, I yes, mean, you're that. you're cheating yeah. all of us by only doing audio to go with those ballsy yeah. pipes of yours. I remember what it was. It was the pretty much the final nail in the are the Expos coming to Montreal story when that came uh, down. Whatever, yes. how, however, and whenever that came down, it was very sad. Everybody in Canada was very sad about that. Yeah, 
Yes. Well, that sounds like something they would call me for uh, <laughs> because I was very pro. I was very, very on the enthusiastic uh, side of that actually happening. Although I saw yesterday that Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, is saying Tampa better get their arena or their stadium deal done really, really soon or – they're committed to the team in Tampa for now, mm-hmm. I believe was the phrase. So I haven't talked to my buddies in Montreal lately to see. I'm not sure that they're they're breathlessly waiting their chance. No. I saw somebody posted a photo the other day, and it's of the TROP and the, the sign outside that's fastened to the building, Tropicana Field. One of the letters had fallen right off, so I think it was F-I blank L-D. So it's <laughs> literally and figuratively falling apart and is a complete dump. Now, have you been to the TROP? Yeah, yeah. It's um. Is it as bad, truly as bad as everyone says it is? It's not as bad as the Kingdome was. But, of course, the Kingdome, they they, they imploded. Right. Like they put, they, they literally blew it up. <laughs> the Kingdome was the worst. That That's the worst stadium I'd, I've ever, I'd ever been in because it had that, you know, that awful – oh, the big O is pretty horrible, too, in Montreal. But mm-hmm. that sense of where it's not ever really day or night, it's just kind of this weird twilight and the sound just bounces around off the concrete and there's no – yeah, it's it's just not organic. It doesn't feel like it's made of man-made – or it feels like it's made of all man-made materials. It's just – it was horrible and chilly and uh, not a good experience watching any sport. So – the trop sort of like that. The weird thing about the trop is that you know, often outdoors, you know, depending on whether you're in the monsoon season there or not, the weather can be quite nice in Florida. So you go in into an April baseball game in the trop, you're locked into this, oh yeah, kind of Tupperware container, and outside, uh, it's quite delightful. So that sh- shockingly, people don't flock to fill the seats. Yeah. Um... Meanwhile, in Toronto, big weekend series. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, there's the standings and all of that, but it's always a little special. I know people hate, everyone hates the Yankees, but it uh, it's always fun when they come to town. Yeah, it is. And look, no one's laid a glove on them this year. You know, I know. Really since, what, the first first two weeks of the season? They, they are marching off towards the 116, 116-win record. That, of course, the team that set that record didn't win the World Series, but that might be worth remembering as well. Yeah. And they played in the kingdom. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – it, yeah, this, this is fun. Like, I think it's funny the, the, the with the Jays right now because if you, look at, if you look at the American League standings, they have the third best record in the American League. Um, they had a bad night last night. Kevin Gossman had a tough night last night for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, they only split with the Orioles. But the Orioles, you know, are not quite as terrible as they've been. But it's you know it's hard to look at their position and say boy this is a team in danger of not making the postseason. They're very well ensconced in the postseason, and once you get past you know there are right I think maybe eight teams fighting for six places now. Yeah, uh, there's not going to be any more than that I don't think. So they're, they're so they're they're going to make the postseason, and it's better if you win the division. But if you're the top ranked wild card team, you play a best out of three series entirely in your own ballpark. That's that's how this. I keep forgetting how the system works because it's you know brand new and yeah, a little yeah. weird. But that's the deal. And right now, that's what the Jays would be. They would be the 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 number the the top ranked wild card team, and they would play a best out of three, uh, all in 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 the Rogers Center. Like that's not bad, right? That'd be okay. Is That'd it be just fine? So yeah, so you know, but you do. So and the Yankees are kind of sort of disappeared beyond the horizon. If you can do that in June, like the only team I remember 
that really did this wire to wire were the one of the the Sparky Anderson Detroit Tigers in what 1986 or one of those years when they just or 84 it was right around then where they just took off and never came back and they did win the World Series and the Jays were in the same division as them at those days and they just looked up at them and just waved goodbye. I I guess the Yankees could could do that. Um, and I guess the Jays, it's also possible the Jays could start chipping away at that lead. If you sweep them in this series, then maybe you feel a little bit differently. Uh, but, yeah, it's I, – I, I guess what I'm saying is it's not crucial, you know, either either way. No. It's a bit of a test against a team that's been playing unbelievably well and had everything fall into place. Uh, and the Jays are still a little bit of a work in progress. But, you know, not – but not in any not not in a way that you go, boy. If they don't go out and get a you know you name a position, they're not going to make the postseason. They're going to make the postseason, and you know then you throw out your three best pitchers and see what happens. We talked to Benny Wagner yesterday. Obviously, uh, Hunjin Ryu done for the year. Kikuchi has been a little bit, eh, you know, unpredictable. I'm not not he's not a mm-hmm. guy that you rely on or you feel like it's a it's a guaranteed six seven innings from this guy when he goes out. So will they address the rotation? Quite likely. But to your point, you don't need to overspend or, or, or rush or panic because of the way it's structured. You're a playoff team. You do have the – you're afforded the, uh, the luxury of being patient, perhaps. Yeah, I think, I think it's pretty obvious what, what they need to do and that they will need a bullpen arm or two because – bullpen arms are volatile at the best of times and you know we've seen like trevor richards the guy they went out and got last year who stabilized the bullpen he's really struggling right now um so yeah you probably go out and try but every everybody's looking for bullpen arms but they are available and that I, and i would think nothing normally that stuff doesn't happen until after the draft so we're, we're but we're getting close um i think they'll look for a depth starter because they don't really have anybody at triple a who like you're probably going to go through, not going to go through the year and only use six starters. That's almost impossible. So you're going to need somebody. And right now the next options in AAA are, you know, Casey Lawrence, who's kind of a 4A guy, really, you know, uh, Tom Hatch, who had some prospect sheen, but then it got hurt and hasn't really snapped back. And the, and the best pitching prospects in the Jays organization, and there's some really good ones, but they're, you know, kind of at high A right now. And I don't think any of those guys are going to fast track to the majors. So you probably need, a major league starting pitcher, but you don't need a front of the rotation major league starting pitcher necessarily. You just need somebody that you know can survive and you know give you five or six innings. So that guy, and then you know there's the ever elusive left-handed bat question, or, or switch hitting bat, cause, so you can balance the lineup a little bit. And you know right now, it's, it's almost like you wouldn't want to sit anybody down to for, to uh, make way for that left-handed bat because they're getting production up and down the lineup. There there aren't really any black holes in that lineup right now, but. You know that is something, and look, they that they they wanted to address that last off season, it didn't. So it's not obviously not easy. There are, you know, there's a few guys. Um, Andrew Benintendi in Kansas City is a guy who might work for them. He's he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. Strikes out a ton, but you know he might be a guy. Josh Bell, switch hitter. Um, there's a few. So I, but I would assume that that's that you'll you'll see a bench bat, left-handed bench bat. Uh, you know, although I'll tell you, even that boom, like, like because of this three catcher situation they have right now, uh, it's, it gets interesting how you manipulate the roster to make that work because they, now they're going to have to drop a pitcher because everybody's going to have to drop a pitcher in the next little while. So maybe that's, that's how it happens. But I, I, 
I think Gabriel Moreno is not going to get sent back. Well, and that's what I, you know, I was going to ask you, and it, I guess it, it does kind of you know bleed into that. What what if, it seems like all reports are are very strong. There's no one that seems very skeptical about his abilities. He looks like either a major leaguer or a guy who's going to be able to hang in the major leagues here moving forward. So yeah, what now? What do you do? Well, the 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 one thing is, and this is you know predicated when Danny Jansen comes back from injury, but Danny Jansen deserves to play too because he was just, you know having a really nice year. So you, the the thing with with Moreno is, in terms of his development, he has to catch, he has to be behind the plate, several times a week, so that he continues to develop as you know, and and so you know the one argument would be we'll send him back to AAA, he'll catch every other day or catch four days or five days a week. And he can keep working on that part of his game, and he can't do that in Toronto because you got two other catchers who also are going to have to spend time behind the plate. But you know, you watch the kid hit; he's not going to learn anything hitting AAA pitching now. He needs to hit. It's, it's sort of like Vladdy was that. There's a certain point, and you know, he may struggle it. They may adjust to him a little bit, but he needs to hit major league pitching. So, in terms of his offensive part of his game, he's ready right now. And defensively, you know, you saw him throwing the way he throws out base runners. He's yeah. You know, he, he's got a crazy arm, crazy release. Like, he looks like Pudge Rodriguez. Yeah. So, so, you know, but Alejandro Kirk is a line drive machine, and Danny Jansen is a very good game caller and um, has shown great power at the end of last year, the beginning of this year. It's kind of your, you know, it's got the, the experience. So I think they're going to have to carry all three guys. I think they're going to end up carrying, and, and that's going to be a bit of a juggling act, and, you know, one of them's going to be the DH every day, you know, uh, or many days when they're not trying to rest Springer or trying to rest Vladdy. It's it's not ideal. Like on a twenty-six man roster, carrying three catchers is not optimal. But I don't see any way around it right now. I can't. I just can't see them. You know, again, barring an injury to somebody, when Jansen comes back, I cannot see them sending Moreno down. Uh. CFL, we are underway. Mm-hmm. I, I I admitted to Maddie here earlier this morning. It was it was one of those games. Hey, it's Thursday. There's football on. It's the Argos and Owls. It didn't uh, it didn't suck me in. I it, it just oh, didn't man. jingle jingle my bells. And then I uh, I get up this morning and I see that we've got what three four missed field goals. Vernon Adams threw four passes before getting taken out of the football game. It was there was ejection for stomping. Yeah, that was the highlight, though. Yeah, like that. that, that like, don't downplay that stomping thing. Yeah, that's about as good as it got. The owner of the say, Owls watched... with his, we're going to kill Toronto this week. He and... was not happy with the uh, the shank. Yeah, twenty-one yarder to essentially win it for the Owls, and he misses the uh, David Cote misses from twenty-one, which yeah, most guys. And I gotta say, I, I I will admit. With the hour and a half time difference, I did not quite make it to the end of that game. Yeah. Um, in protest, although as well, I like I wasn't necessarily just about sleep. Yeah. Uh, and again, I you don't want to like they they other games have been entertaining so far. That game was awful. Like that was just dreadful. It it uh, it was like a really bad preseason game. You know, obviously played in front of nobody in Toronto on a you know beautiful summer night. Nobody in the stands. No rhythm to the game at all. Um, you know, a festival of punting and place kicking, and as it turned out, really bad place kicking. Uh, you know, quarterbacks looked both all the three quarterbacks who played in the game, none of them looked very good. Uh, but thank God they moved the hash marks in because think, think of how bad it would have been with those old hash marks. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, count your blessings, no question. Yeah, oh. so I'm sure there'll be better, I'm sure there will be better nights. 
I'm sure Ticat stamps will be better. Well, it can't be worse. That's not one. There was not one for the. Uh, that was not one for uh, for the time capsule or for what are those? Who are those guys? They Genius Sports are those the guys? Isn't that their partner group? Yeah, I don't think they'll be taking that one out and showing it around for you know, in their global marketing campaigns. No. Saying, look at this. Look and at this amazing sport we play. Nor is it the game that's going to rejuvenate interest in the Argos. It's not going to be. Hey, when's the next game? Because I I got to get there. They're just you know never going to happen. It's <laughs> you know the truth is it like I hate to say it, but it, even if that had been you know thirty eight thirty five barn burner, doesn't matter. No. You know, like that was awful, and I and I think. The test is always, you know, it's opening night of the season, and this goes back to the first year when they moved over to BMO Field, and everybody thought, well, this is the answer. They're going to play in a proper stadium, outdoors, grass field, the right size, not the big, huge dome. And they, you know, they couldn't sell the joint out when it was, what, 20, at that point, 23 or 24,000 seats. If, you know, you, you have to, opening night matters in terms of perception. In you know, in terms of kind of the the idea, the 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 the, the illusion of, of progress, and you know, they had all winter to sell that game, and they got and you know what they announced twelve, like, you know, it's twelve in a in a market of five million people. Um, yeah, that's so it yeah football aside, what did, what did they what were they doing on the selling front? Like it's you know I like I don't know how you fill the park, but you can't give tickets away because it. It upsets the people who actually paid for your tickets. It upsets your season's ticket holders. But you've got to find a way to put people in the building on the first night just so that there's some eyebrows are raised and people say, hey, look, there are 20,000. That's amazing. You know, you, I think when you open with that place looking as empty as it did and with one of the one whole section of the stadium closed off, it just fuels that notion that the Argos are dead. And meanwhile, you know, dead in the market. yeah, meanwhile in Vancouver, 34,000 turned out last week for the opener against Edmonton. What happened in yeah. Vancouver? How, what, what was going on? Because I've uh, read and listened to some of the, uh, the media that were either there or were, were around it. It was shoulder to shoulder outside, a party atmosphere over more than an hour before the football game, and then uh, a huge crowd for game one. Yeah, and I don't look. I don't know how they did it or how they got there. I know they deeply discounted some seats, but that doesn't necessarily do the trick. You know, if you even give seats away sometimes, if people don't want them, they're not going to come. But that's so. There's the flip side, right? So like the 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 alliance that's been pretty moribund in uh, Vancouver the last few years, and suddenly what it, you were the only thing that probably anybody there's talking about in terms of alliance was holy smokes, a new owner. Um, they opened you know the the they opened the upper deck they. Uh, and the crowd was lively and looked like it was having fun. And it wasn't the same old, uh, you know, Q-tips, the old gray-haired folks like me <laughs> sitting there watching the game. Uh, so that, so perception, right? Perception is reality sometimes. And the sense will be, well, look, this the new owner's on to something. Now, you know, he may have paid, you know, paid his relatives to show up. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. You know, it's 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 what's it's kind of what's in the air and they achieved that on opening night and you know we'll see what they can, how they can sustain it and what they can it looks like they've got an interesting team and uh, the Canadian kid played really well at quarterback you know i yeah yeah look I, you hope that people embrace it i hope people embrace the game but it really boy it does matter when the curtain goes up and people look around and say like look you know what the feelings like and i've talked about this a million times in other contexts but if you go to a concert and there's no one else there like, and you might sit there and yeah. say, boy, everybody else, is, everybody else is ignorant. They're Philistines because I know this is really good, but they don't get it. But mostly what you look around and say, man, I'm a, what's wrong with me? 
know, what? I, I, you feel horrible. You feel like a loser. You feel like, oh, well, you know, you feel like it's when you have a house party and no one shows up. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's not an easy fix. There's, it's, it's not no. a great, it's not a great situation, but you know, we're, we're going to be positive. Um, and the, another positive for Vancouver, they land a, uh, a hosts 2026 world cup host city. They're, they're pumped in Vancouver. They're sour in Edmonton, but they're pumped in Vancouver yeah. and Toronto, obviously. So apparently your ex premier negotiated the Edmonton out of this thing. I'm told, huh? That's what I keep hearing that he tried to play hardball with FIFA. It's the golden, he we, he's got the golden touch, Steve. He really does. Yeah. Doesn't he? That's, I think that if that's his, you know, just, you know, I know his legacy can be measured <laughs> in many ways, but if the fact that he sat down with, I said, well, you FIFA dudes, you know, we're, we're Edmonton and, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll take your games, but yeah, we have a few conditions we'd like to outline here. It's, it, you know, that's like negotiating with the mafia. You know, like, it doesn't work, right? It doesn't, when they come and ask you for protection money, you say, well, yes, but I'd like to pay it in installments. It doesn't work that way. You, you, you play by their rules, and their rules are horrible, and they're horrible people. But if you want, you know, if you want the games, you yeah. essentially give them what they want. So, too bad. You know, like, Edmonton's been a real good place for soccer, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think perhaps the, the the boys went back to Switzerland feeling not entirely thrilled with their meeting with the Premier. No, probably not. Uh, big plans for the weekend. Will you be uh, – do you do some fishing? Do you do some yeah. – are, are you still kind of getting the home ready for the uh, for the summer yes. ahead? Yeah, I've been kind of getting the place together. My wife's not here yet, so i got to you know kind of have things ready for her grand arrival. Um do a little bit of fishing. The salmon haven't arrived here yet, but they should be here any moment. Yeah, and it's still beautiful. It's it's shockingly nice here right now too. So, when you know, gone on some hikes. It's nice. The, the rain, the rain is coming. So yeah. By the time I'm down back doing radio next week, I'm hoping it's raining like hell. Love it, Steve. Good to talk to you. Have a great weekend, pal. And uh, go Stampeders, right? Stamps, tie cats, uh, right? Is that what we're doing? I can't. No, that's not what we're doing. But oh, okay. We'll, just, yeah. we'll reconvene. Uh, my, yeah. my one last beating heart loyalty. i got to stick with my boys. Good for you. Good for you. We'll talk to you about it on Tuesday, all right? All righty. See you. Be good. Stephen Brunt. The, uh, our, now, our NHL insiders, Frank Saravalli, he was usually on a Tuesday. Couldn't do Tuesday. He can now do Friday, which is perfect because we got a couple extra days. Take a deep breath between the games one and two of the Stanley Cup final. It is official in Philadelphia this morning. John Tortorella has been hired as the new coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. The uh, suggestion seems to be that uh, Peter DeBoer and Jack Capuano, the old Islander coach, were among the finalists for that gig. So we'll talk to Frank about that and other things when we come back. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Another off day for the Stanley Cup final. Finals? Final? Oh, people are sticklers about that sort of thing. Round four. I think that of the NHL playoffs. The S is for the hockey. NBA final. The NBA final. If only we had an expert to help us out with these sorts of things. Our NHL insider is Frank Saravelli, brought to you by South Trail Exports with inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Frank, is it, so final, finals, final, finals, final. Final. There is only one of them. Okay. It is the Stanley Cup final. I'm sitting in my lobby across from uh, from the banner that has the Stanley Cup on it, and it's NBA finals. I don't know why they chose the S, but it actually 
I am the stickler for this, and it does drive me crazy when go. people call it the Stanley Cup Finals. It's not the Finals. Well, that's good. I'm glad that we got you, your dander up. Let's get you all wound up for, uh, here on a Friday. It's good. I like it. Uh, so it's official. You're a Philly boy, and your Flyers have a new head coach. What, four years for John Tortorella? This is, this is perfect. I'm very excited. It feels, well, he's very excited. It feels like a coach that was born for a market. I guess my wonder is, is it too late? Like, should he have been their coach 15, 20 years ago? Um, and I don't know. We'll see. Uh, he's now the oldest coach the Flyers have ever hired, interestingly enough. Um, and I just, I have big question marks moving forward about John Tortorella. Like, you go back to Trevor, Trevor Zegras, and the goal that he scored and, and the criticism that John Tortorella had, like how is any talented and skilled young player watching him say that on ESPN, watching him say it, you know, on any network and saying, that's the guy I want to play for. I, I, I personally, I, I have a hard time understanding it. And I, I get why teams make this decision to hire, um, you know, a coach like John Tortorella, he's got the experience, he's got the Stanley Cup, he's, you know, been able to consistently win even in non-traditional places like a Columbus, for instance. But he, he's still the taskmaster, still a difficult guy to play for. And some teams like that, of course, but I just feel like the act wears thin so quickly that it's like, you know, you get a season and a half, two seasons, and you're like, all right, what are we doing next? And that's the situation that they continually come back to. Instead of finding someone that is different, is new, is definitely less expensive, um, and it is not someone that has been around the block five times and isn't going to change, like how exactly is John Tortorella going to coach and manage James Van Riemsdyk? He's not a Tortorella guy. Yeah. How is he going to handle Kevin Hayes? Like You're handing him a roster that's imperfect for who the coach is, and it's almost like they did it for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. Philly guy, you know, Philly attitude. Let's inject him into the city and see what happens. Yeah, the Zegers thing was very curmudgeon-like, and it, and it was just a few months ago, so it's not as though we're talking about ancient history. But, we, I mean, similar here, right? Daryl Sutter comes in. He's a hard-ass coach. How is Michael Backlund going to coexist? How is Johnny Gaudreau going to coexist? And it, it went quite well, actually. And I think that the, the coach is not as brash and as hard as he used to be or maybe he didn't have to be this year with the team but it went better here than anyone could have imagined and maybe the same can go there maybe but i don't i don't know that i necessarily agree with that sort of caricature of daryl sutter like i think what you see in the media and the sometimes terse short answers isn't always what you get from the player side like i don't like go ask Nikita Zadorov this year, what his experience was like with Daryl Sutter. While he was, you know, had a tough start to his season, every single day he's going over video personally with Daryl Sutter and he's working on him to try and get him to be the defenseman that he wants to and thought he could be. You know, people were yeah. criticizing Eric Goodbranson. Like, I, like, you know, is this signing going to work? Like, those two guys together, like, they were one of the better pairs in the league. Like it's, I don't know that I agree with the assessment is what I'm saying. And you know, the thing of it is you can talk to a hundred NHL players 
and everyone's going to have their different opinion. It's like if, if when you're in the, the workplace. If you get along with your boss and you get the most holidays and your job is, you probably like your boss, things are good. But if you have kind of one of the crap gigs and you got to work weekends and overnights, you may not like your boss as much. And I know that's what it's like with coaches. If you're not happy with your minutes and you're not on special teams and you're getting reamed out, chances are you're not going to like your coach. And maybe you deserve to get reamed out and you don't deserve those minutes. So I don't know. I, I just. But how many coaches, how many players, like – you know, coaches get hired and you see a player tweet, hey, good luck with that guy, like Brandon Dubinsky did yesterday. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I know. You're just – I didn't I – didn't, I'm sorry. I must have missed that with Daryl Sutter. I, I guess I'm talking more with Tortorella because we have Corey Saric in periodically, and he loved playing for Torts, but he was also a guy that brought a work ethic and put his head down and could handle criticism. So I think it's – I don't think it's a, a uniform thing right across the board where – Yeah, I, and I think that's fair, but I would also say to you that the one thing is – a lot of teams make these hires and they say, oh, well, this time is going to be different. If you are hiring John Tortorella and expecting him to be any different than he's been at any point, at any stop in his career, you're, you're kidding yourself. So what does he have to work with? We've talked a lot about the Flyers, and maybe it's because we bring you on, but, you know, Travis Konechny, his name is in the rumor mill, apparently. Ivan Provorov, good, both of these guys, good young players, first-round picks but maybe on their way out or seen as pieces that can bring you quite a bit in trade. What's this offseason look like for Chuck Fletcher? And, I mean, we can dovetail it right into a Goudreau free agent deal. Does Goudreau want to be there with Tortorella now going to be there for four years? I guess you can just expand on what this team is going to be for Torts when he steps behind the bench. It's a really good question because I, I don't know the answer and I don't know where they start. Like, they have so many decisions to make. And they seemingly have so little ammo to really go after and, and accomplish the things that they want. Like, you know, you can trade Travis Konechny. Uh, you can trade Ivan Provorov if you want. You're still going to have other pieces there that probably aren't as, um, you know, good fits for what you're looking to do. And, you know, you, it, it's – it's a tough spot to navigate. They don't have a lot of cap space. They don't have a lot of capital. Um, and they've got some players that have sort of been like, hey, if you're trading those guys now, you're also trading them probably at the lowest value that they've ever been. Do you really want to do that? And I, I think that's, you know, all part of what they're wrestling with. And, and to dovetail it into the Johnny Gaudreau, I, how long have we heard this rumor? Like people that don't know him don't, you know, and I'm not saying I do, people that um, – you know, I've heard it from the most casual hockey observer. Oh, Johnny Gaudreau, yep, he's coming to Philly. Like, it's like almost like people think it's some preordained thing. Yeah. I don't get that sense at all. Like, I, I truly believe where things are at the moment is it's a, it's a period of soul-searching for Johnny Gaudreau. Like, he has an opportunity to come back to Calgary and put his number in the rafters if he plays out his career there. He has an opportunity to earn more money than he can anywhere else by virtue of the eighth year. And he also has an opportunity to play on a team that, you know, easily could have been in the Western Conference final had they, you know, stuck to their game plan a bit better in the second round and had a, a couple of things gone differently. I know it's easy to say that, but the Calgary Flames are right in their competitive window with Johnny Gaudreau in it. 
and without they're going to be doing some some searching as well for for some different things so i think it's really just about does he want to be there or not and i i don't you know i i think when people talk about the idea of coming home to philly i think what they're really referencing is maybe just that sort of gravitational geographical pull back towards you know the eastern time zone and the east coast in the u.s Deal goes down yesterday. Shea Weber for Evgeny Dadonov, Dadonov. Um, Shea Weber likely to never play again, so this is very much a, not cap circumvention, but it's a cap-fueled move. Uh, for People have asked, why does it make sense for both sides, I guess? Montreal, they've got the first overall pick. Does not look like they're going to be a threat to either make the playoffs or make much noise if they happen to sneak in. And obviously for Vegas, it's very much win now. So why does this make sense for both sides? Final, finals, Dadanov, Dadanov. I yeah, mean, you I guys are it. just pushing all the buttons today. Yeah, yeah I got um, it. <laughs> this, this makes so much sense for Montreal. Like, I think this is wizardry for the Canadians. Like, you get a useful player in Dadanov that has really showed a lot of, to me, mental toughness finishing off last season, 16 points in 16 games after that trade was voided. And... So they get a guy that even if they're not in the playoff mix, they they can if he's having a decent season, they can probably flip for, you know, a second round pick if they're willing to retain money on his contract at the deadline. So they have a flippable asset that in the meantime they can use and try and be competitive. And they offload a contract in Shea Weber that they were desperately looking to get out from, not from a real cash perspective, because a lot of it is insured. But just from a cap perspective of you don't want to be operating an LTIR if you can avoid it. You know, you're not accruing cap space. You have to acquire players at their full cap hit at the deadline. Like, it's, it's not an ideal situation or place to be in if you can avoid it. So they get out from under that. And for Vegas, this is the part that people are saying, well, why does it make sense for Vegas? We knew they were moving on from Evgeny Dadnoff. They're over the cap. And they were over the cap this offseason, needed to find a way to get under now they do it for a net cap change of, you know, basically just subtracting off the Donoff. Weber doesn't add anything or really subtract anything for you on your cap situation. But instead of trading an asset for uh, Evgeny Dadanov, which they were going to do at the deadline, if you remember to Anaheim before it was voided, they had to give up something to move him. Now they don't have to give up anything, and they're basically able to just take on something that's a net neutral or nothing for them that also helps Montreal at the same time. So what of Carey Price? Where does that leave him now? Not not everything is linked, but Shea Weber is a guy with a big contract, lots of term, and not like to, to play again. Carey Price may play again, but that's a big cap hit that they would have to eat if he can't if he can't go. Yeah, it is a big cap hit, and and really, maybe I'm reading too much into it, and I, I think you're right in that they are linked. That maybe if they're moving on from Shea Weber to get him off their LTIR spot, that they're pretty hopeful at this point that he can at least start the season. And there's still a lot of, you know, runway, a lot of time to figure that out and get there. But, you know, they, they obviously kind of, they didn't jump through hoops. They got a useful player, but to get Shea Weber out of LTIR to only then be back in it, with Carey Price, you know, obviously less than ideal. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a more difficult contract to move with a bigger cap hit, I would think. But the bigger issue than dealing with the cap space is how do you like how do you replace Carey Price? My answer is like I don't I don't think you can. 
And, and I don't even think that there's appropriate stop gaps, you know, in the short term to think, okay, how can we, you know, begin to turn this around and who's our goaltender of the future? When Carey Price walks, you know, with this many years or probably hobbles is more appropriate with that knee injury uh, away from your team, like that leaves a huge void if that is indeed the case of whatever happens in, in the fall. And I guess still with Montreal, we had heard the names Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie, both guys on that trade board, on your trade board. Now Petrie is left. Is is he? It's still going to happen? It wasn't an either-or, was it? No, it definitely wasn't an either-or. Those two weren't linked. Um, it, it's really just, is someone going to provide the Montreal Canadiens value in return for Jeff Petrie? Like, they're not going to pay to trade him. They'd rather you know, watch this season play out. My guess is he rebounds that, you know, a lot of what he was dealing with was a family issue related to COVID-19 restrictions. Mm -hmm. And now that those have mostly lifted in Montreal, you're in a spot where, you know, maybe you can get back to normal. If your, your kids and your wife are are staying in the same city as you and your same house. And, you know, it just, you know, maybe we see Jeff Petrie, the player that he was two years ago, he didn't wake up one day this year and forget how to play hockey. He was just dealing with a difficult circumstance uh, that any, I think any dad could appreciate. So um, moving forward, like they're not paying to trade him. If someone is going to pay appropriately to get a player, you know, recognizing that Jeff Petrie may not be playing exactly up to that cap hit at 6.25, they'll move him, but they're, they're not, they don't have a gun to their head to try and do it. So I, I, reported a couple weeks back on our trade targets board. Uh, I do believe the Pittsburgh Penguins and Montreal Canadiens have engaged in uh, some sort of dialogue about Jeff Petrie and that possibility, but I think it's a, um, you know, sort of break glass in case of emergency situation for the Penguins if they're not able to keep Chris Letang. And man, Chris Letang, I just, does he not feel like a, just the natural to go back to Pittsburgh or is that just from a hundred miles away? It just, it seems logical. And it it's when you get into reality and cap hits and money that it, it's harder for Pittsburgh to do than you might think. Yeah, I think it seems logical. And I think it, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins are trying to do everything they can to keep him. I think, you know, maybe where the logic has fallen off a bit is the ask from the Letang camp. I reported months ago was they asked for five years and I, to my knowledge, and I I think it's been a little bit slow of late. They, you know, they haven't backed off of that ask of five years. Is there some middle ground that they can find? I don't think the penguins are really interested in going much beyond two. They'll probably move a bit, I would guess. And it's going to take some movement from the Latang camp, but in addition, the cap hit's not going to be cheap. Like he still is a 60 plus point defenseman. And there's, just like Carey Price in Montreal, there's no one to replace Chris Letang in Pittsburgh. It's almost impossible to do. So where are you going to find that player? You're not. You, you have to pay up to keep him. The question is how much, and they haven't sorted it out yet. So Tortorella lands in Philly. We saw DeBoer out, and, and Cassidy was not out of work for very long. He goes into Vegas. I guess just you're around so many hockey people there right now. What's the vibe on Cassidy landing with the Golden Knights? Is he going to be able to navigate what DeBoer couldn't? And what of these the bunch of other jobs that are still open and still out there is Barry Trotz? The Trotz one is fascinating because I wonder if there's any connection to 
the Nashville Predators sale that you saw reported right. uh, on Thursday evening. Um, you know, it, former Tennessee governor uh, stepping in to buy the team, a potential valuation of 800 plus million dollars. You can understand now why Gary Bettman, the commissioner, was uh, pumping up uh, in his Wednesday press conference annual State of the League address just how good things are financially for the NHL at the moment, if that's the type of valuation that they're getting still not confirmed yet for the 26th ranked uh, team in terms of uh, value in the league, that'd be a massive step forward. But bringing it back to trots, he, uh, there was some headlines this week that he purchased a home in Nashville. Um, and I think a lot of people raised an eyebrow at that. And the reason for that is the big part of uh, one big part of this, next opportunity that Barry Trotz is looking for is a management position. You know, I, I think at some point he, he's done and seen everything you can see on an NHL bench. I'm sure there's some fire there to keep going, but you know, to have an opportunity to step into a management role at some point after the coaching part, or do you skip right to it? Nashville would make a ton of sense. David Poyle has been around a long, long time. Uh, how much longer does he want to continue doing it? How much longer do the Predators management and ownership want to see him continue doing it? And what kind of role does Barry Trotz potentially play there moving forward that maybe he doesn't end up going somewhere to be a coach and steps right in to be uh, in some sort of front office role in Nashville, given his history there? I don't know. Maybe that's just a, you know, he just wanted to purchase a little property in one of the hottest and most fun cities uh, in the country. Uh but I, I, I wonder if there's some kind of link there. Well, and what of the sale? Is that just when a, when a billionaire rings the doorbell, you answer it regardless? Because it did, didn't seem like Nashville was for sale. It seemed like ownership, that group that uh, involves one uh, Calgary guy, actually, in that ownership group, uh, didn't, didn't think they were for sale or for the right price. Is everything for sale? Uh, I think everything's for sale for the right price. But, you know, th- I think there are always more conversations than we realize in terms of, you know, different prospective ownership groups. You know, there's always, uh, you know, a billionaire or two out there that are fishing around, and I hear about it throughout the season. Usually it never amounts to much, or the team uh, decides that they'd rather not sell. Um, but, you know, generally these types of things don't play out in public, and you get a surprise notification like you do in Nashville or like with uh, Pittsburgh and the Fenway Sports Group earlier this season. Like, it just sometimes these things happen, and, um but I, I do know that there were, I don't know, maybe five, six teams that came across my radar at some point this year where it was like, hey, is that team for sale? I have, uh, you know, I have a billionaire on the line that is interested. Do you have any intel? So I do occasionally get those calls throughout the year. Meanwhile, there is a, uh, a championship series being played where you're at Denver and uh and the city looks to be lit up. Uh, anything that uh, I don't know, I've not, I've not been to Denver, so I don't really have a baseline to judge, but it sounds as though the city, they're appreciating. 2001 was a long time ago. They're loving it out there. Yeah, they are. And the city has been on fire, like literally. It, it was 37 degrees yesterday. Uh, fat guy in a suit. <laughs> it, not exactly a good combo. And I know they say, oh, it's a dry heat, and maybe I'll sweat more in Tampa, but... Oh, man, this is definitely a gold bond type of series for me. Um, and the action on the ice has also been pretty good as well. I mean, if we get five, six more games like we did game one, this could be one of the best Stanley Cup final of all time. 
Well, and we we love a Cinderella story, but quite often it I mean it strikes midnight, right? And we saw that with Montreal, and I think we saw it with Dallas. This is these are not this is the who should be there. Two of the top teams, and we're being rewarded. I I, I remind myself we love upsets and that, but it's it doesn't always pay off in the end. But, and it almost never plays out like this because this sport is so random and and difficult to predict that rarely do you get, you know, an NBA finals type Stanley Cup final where it's like these teams have been on a collision course, you know, throughout their entire bracket. Every year it feels like we get some team that's thrown in there that just happened to be at the in the right place at the right time, caught lightning in a bottle and you know, found a way to advance through and, and have some upsets along the way. To get this, it's such a nice change of pace because, you know, not only did they have the great regular season, they also backed it up on this playoff run. Because that's the one thing is you can't, you can't ever fake your way to a Stanley Cup final. You just don't get through, round, through three rounds to do it. Um, and the star power that's on display, the, you know, I, I even venture, and something I was thinking about this morning when I woke up was just the coaching matchup too, like, you know, John Cooper has done an amazing job in Tampa, but I don't know that Jared Bednar has gotten enough love for what he's been able to accomplish in, in Colorado. And I love the mindset of this abs team. You know, one of the big things that was talked about over the last couple of days was, you know, are you going to move the McKinnon line off of, you know, facing Anthony Sorelli while you have the advantage on home ice? And Jared Bednar is like, I don't care. I'm going to put my best players out against anyone until I see it's not working. And I love that mindset as, as opposed to some that head into a series sort of being afraid of what the other team might bring. What are you hearing as far as Nazem Kadri and his return to the lineup? I think it's still a ways away. Like, it's one thing to see him get a stick in his hand and to do some stick handling, maybe a little bit of passing. I, I could be wrong, but I, didn't, I don't remember seeing any shooting. And I think until we see some shooting, um, he's probably still a bit away, but there's, you know, some pretty decent time to go still in this series. Only one game in the double off day, uh, you know, maybe later in the series, but I still think it's a, a lot of work to be done for Nazem Kadri. This would be a minor medical miracle. And on the other side, John Cooper came out the other night and said the, the right team won, but we weren't close to our best. And I, I believe him because we've seen them at their best and, as, as much credit as you give them for coming back, they scored two in a minute to tie it. They, they didn't seem themselves. I, I can only expect that they're going to bounce back because they've done it so many times, it was like 17, 18 times since the start of that 2020 playoff. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're like immune to it now. Like we, we just, even watching game one, like you kind of yawn, you're like, okay, down two goals, like three goals, no problem. Like it, they're going to find a way back in and, if we're thinking that watching it, imagine what they're feeling like in that room. Like there's, there's never panic. Like they've seen and done anything that you could possibly imagine and, and face, uh, including being on the negative end of it, you know, um, uh, facing that sweep against the Columbus Blue Jackets a number of years back. Like they've been in difficult, difficult positions. And, uh, you know, when he says we didn't have our best game by a country mile and he still managed to take it to overtime probably feel pretty good about your opportunity and chances to come back in the series so does the gold bond go in your carry-on or do you do you check that how does that go oh no that's going right in the backpack might be might need to be used multiple times yeah, per day that's good i like it 
Good to talk to you. Be good. Travel safe, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have a good one. You bet. Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Going to be listening to him for the uh, all the small things rendition. I think you can hear his, probably hear his tones through that crowd. Yeah, they love singing that thing, right? I love that song. Do you? I really do. The thing about, I mean, Frank talking about the humidity and being fat in the suit and all that, it was Philadelphia that, that was my last NHL draft. Uh-huh. And it was humid. Like Fat boy in a suit wasn't good? Damn, fat boy in a suit, not good. You don't Ooh. mind the heat in that when you're not having to be presentable. Oh, yeah, by all means. And the next year was shorts in... Shorts and yeah. baggy shirts and whatever. The next year was in Florida. Oh. It's like, you know, I, I don't need to go <laughs> to the draft. There's just no need for that. <laughs> so for this one, if it's smoking hot in Denver and then you go, you're going to have that humidity back. Now, Frank, probably being in a Philly guy, you'd be adjusted and you can adapt to it. But Florida's tough. Florida in late June. It's sticky there. Yeah. It gets hot, stinky, sticky. I'm guessing Denver's a dry heat, right? That's, That's probably, what you would think. Yeah. That's what you would think. Now, is that what Gold Bond... Do you think it comes in a tub or is it like a stick? Gold Bond medicated powder. Have you ever used it? Uh, no. Neither have I. Am I missing out? Is this uh, part of my life? Helps with the chafe e- there, boom. Extra yeah. strength body powder with extra moisture absorption, extra cooling power, and itch relief. Oh, yeah. It's a medicated body power that works miracles. Wow. Look at this. Well, I guess I'm making a stop on the way home. You put it on your feet, too? Do you put it on your feet? Yeah. Now, doesn't it make a mess? Don't you just kind of uh, turn into, like, pancake batter? A little bit. <laughs> it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't, like, solidify. No? It doesn't, no. It, if it gets wet, it, it doesn't really. Because yeah. I'm just thinking you're taking powder and you're putting... All right, it's time for break. Right into the swamps that are your socks. Oh, yeah. What you want to talk about coming up? <laughs> Sportsnet 960, the fan.